All right, praise God. All the time, God is good. God is good all the time. We're going to look at opportunities today that come from God. Um, And how do we know whether or not an opportunity is from God? Amen. We're all praying for things. We're all hoping for things and whatnot. Uh, We talked earlier on that um, in this new year or new season of 2017, God is going to be doing a new thing in the lives of Christians. We have so many things going on in the world and in the country and so forth that are at odds with God's word. But God is in charge and God is going to take things on this planet Earth the way he wants them to go. So in the meantime, as we're waiting for God to do new things and looking forward to new and exciting things for 2017, and we're looking for opportunities and looking for answers from God, the question is, how do we know that an opportunity is from God? You know, or, or an answer to prayer is, is, is from God. We have to be able to discern, you know, because the devil can, quote unquote, bring blessings, quote unquote, into your life. You know, the devil can bring a job into your life that is not where God might not want you to be or whatever. So how do we know, you know, many things we're praying for? Uh, so many times we, we ask God to open a door for us. You know, you've heard the expression, God, uh, open a door for us. You know, then the opportunity or the answer or the door is open for us, then what do we do? You know, we have to ask ourselves, is this door that's being open, is this really, is this door from God or is it from someplace else? You know, and, you know, I talked many, several sermons about the shiny things, you know, that the devil can drop into our lives, little shiny things that will seem attractive for us, you know, so we have to be, be, be careful of that. Um, We need to be so careful today of what is of God and what is not because so many people in the nation, in the church for that matter too, get swept up get swept up and carried into things, you know, and we have to be careful about are we getting caught up and swept into things that might not be where God wants us to go. And just because an opportunity presents itself and looks appealing doesn't necessarily mean it's from God. And likewise, just because an open door looks a little uncertain doesn't mean you shouldn't walk through it, okay? So sometimes a door will open before you and it'll seem like a Something that I need to be cautious about, you know, but that doesn't mean that you should just shut it down and not go through that door. So how do we determine, you know, what is from God and what isn't? So before we get to that, I have to build a foundation. First, before you can recognize the things of God, you must understand that you can do nothing without Jesus. All right. So with that, let's go to John chapter 15. And look at some very familiar scriptures here. John chapter 15, you know. Before we can get into the deeper things of being able to discern, God, is this from you or is this not from you? Or God, I think this is from you, but it's too difficult for me to do. So therefore, I'm not going to go through that door. You know, we've all had that in our lives, you know, where something seems like, boy, this is a good thing, but I don't think it's, I don't think I can do this, you know. Um, and you've heard me say many times that God is never going to present to you something that you cannot, you know, bear or something that you cannot accomplish. If it's from God, you'll be able to do it. But I know I've seen people many times, uh, in effect, close the door from God only because of the fact they think that they can't do it. So because, so before you can do that, as I said, though, we must re- remember who we are in Jesus. So starting at chapter 15, verse number 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, 
he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it or trims it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Please in the line, for without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. Please underline all of, uh, or highlight all of verse number 7. But underline specifically, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Okay? So how, how do we glorify God in our lives? It's by bearing fruit. By bearing fruit. Bearing much fruit. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So one of the things we need to stop before I even get further into analyzing what we've just read here is that many times if you're feeling that lack of joy, you're feeling discouraged about something, or just kind of feeling a general state of blahs, you know, you have to kind of remember, you know, do do, do I need to go back and make sure that I'm reconnected to the vine? But I need to make sure that I'm reconnected to Jesus, you know. I mean, I'm no different from anyone else. I have many challenges going on in life. And when I start getting that feeling that, oh boy, this is really, uh, gee, what's the point? What's the point? Then right away I regroup and I say, oh, maybe I need to make sure I'm reconnected here. You know, and I get back into prayer and make sure that I'm connecting with that vine. Because without Jesus, you can do nothing. Nothing at all. There are three conditions of the, of the fruitful life. One is the cleansing, as we see in verses 2 and 3. Go back to 2 and 3. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken, spoken to you. Okay? The other condition is abiding. All right? And abiding means to have no unconfessed sin, no interest that Jesus can't share in, takes all burdens to him, and draws all wisdom, life, and strength from him. Nothing in life that can separate you from him. So abiding in Jesus is also having, you know, a part of your life. that There should be no part in our lives that we cannot share with Jesus, that we can bring Jesus into. You know, and there should be, be nothing that we can't take to him. There should be no burdens in our lives that we can't take to Jesus. Amen. So abiding in him is, 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 is always having him uh, uh, in your mind, the things that I'm doing. Jesus is, is, is a part of this. You know, you've heard me say before, if I go to visit to visit my, my mom-in-law and I've, I've, I've uh, you know, just, just go to say hi or whatever, then, you know, okay, Mike's coming for a visit. But if I show up with a suitcase and pajamas and my toothbrush, then... Oh, like he's coming for a stay. He's moving in, abiding, you know. And so, so you know, if you're living with someone, you know, you, you, 
you're there for breakfast and lunch and dinner and, and you're paying the rent, you're paying the mortgage. I mean, abiding is, is every part of your life is with that person. Well, so it has to be with Jesus, you know. There should be nothing in our lives that we cannot include him in, that we can't include him in. And, and we see that in verse number 4. In verses 10 to 12, it talks about obedience. It talks about obedience there. Go to 10 and 12. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that, you, uh, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Okay? So we see in those three things, cleansing, abiding, and obedience. This is where we need to be to make sure we're connected to the vine. Okay, now... Once we realize that we can't do anything without Jesus, we need to remain connected to him, then that further arms us with more evidence or more, more, or more um, information in terms of how can I determine if this door is from you, God, or not. How can I determine, Lord, I think this door is from you, but I'm hesitant to go to step through this door because I'm not sure if I can do it. Well, then it goes back to the very foundational piece here. If you're not abiding in Jesus, no way are you going to be able to get that question answered. All right? Okay, so first we have to realize we need to be abiding in Jesus and realize that all that we are, the essence of our strength comes from him. All right? He's divine and we are the branches. So now we can get to thinking about, okay, Lord, this door that you're opening, for me that I think is from you or this door that I'm about to step through should I I'm not sure if I can now we're going to see how we can determine that alright now let's go to James okay go to the book of James okay now um, obviously if you're looking for a door to be open that means that you've prayed for something or you've asked for something all right, and so let's see what the Bible says says about asking. Okay, okay. If you if you if there's something in your life that you're hoping for, something in life that you want to accomplish, um, be it a job, be it a house, uh, be it a person, be it a car, or whatever it might be, something that you're praying and hoping for. Okay, and you're asking for. Let's see what the word says about asking. Go to James chapter four. James chapter four, verse number one. James 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, underline that, you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, uh, will be a friend of the world is the, en- is the enemy of God. Okay? In verse number, um, in verse number three... Verse number two, where it says that at the end of it, you have not because you ask not. First of all, are we asking? And then it says in verse three, you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss that you, uh, that you may consume it upon your lust. So in other words, when you're asking something from God, are you asking for the right reasons? Okay, first you have to ask. You can't go through life, you know, God knows what you need, but God expects us to come to him in prayer and say, God, this is what I'm praying for, this is what I'm hoping for, I need some guidance, I need this, I need that, okay? But then the other thing to ask yourself, honestly, is why am I asking? 
Okay? It says you ask amiss. So in other words, we're asking God sometimes for the wrong reasons. What's our motivation? You know, you know, you know. Am, 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 I, am I praying for this um, jazzy new red sports car? I keep talking about jazzy red sports cars. Huh? You know, am I asking and praying for this jazzy red sports car? Because my real reason for asking is that that guy on the block that has that jazzy red sports car, I want to get on I-5 and I'm going to race him. I'm going to do 110 miles per hour and I'm going to pass him. Lord, give me that jazzy red sports car. Now, I mean, is that asking a miss? All right? I mean, why am I asking? What's my motivation? Okay? I'm not asking for that jazzy red sports car so I can, you know, um, drive downtown Salem and get the attention of those poor people under the bridge so that they, when they come to me, I can give them food. You know, I can give them blankets, you know, or I can do something godly. I'm asking amiss. So whatever it is that you might be praying for in life, you've got to really stop and ask yourself, honestly, you know, why do I want this? Okay? Why do I want this? All right? Now, this is all going towards understanding whether or not what God opens the door to, whether or not it's from God. Okay? If I'm praying for that jazzy red sports car to go racing down I-5, just so I can pass somebody on my block, my neighbor on the block, okay? If that door become open to me, became open to me, and I was able to get that red car, under those conditions, under those reasonings I'm having, what do you think might happen? Okay? All of a sudden I get this red car and I jump behind and I accept it. Shiny things. Not from God. God doesn't want me to go killing myself. Alright? But someone else opens the way for me to get, opens the door for me to get that jazzy red sports car. And I jump in because I've got the wrong motivations. And I jump behind that thing and I'm going 100 miles an hour down I-5. And what happens? I get into an accident. Okay? Alright? So, should I have gone through that door? Should I have accepted that jazzy red sports car? Okay? But if I'm outside of the vine, if I'm disconnected from the vine of Jesus... And if I don't know how to discern what is from God and what is not from God, then I wind up stepping through a door that God may not have wanted me to step through, okay? And I wind up getting myself in trouble, okay? All right, now that's it for the Jazzy Red Sports Car so far, all right? So I'm just trying to make a point with a very silly example. But I see this happening so many times in the lives, in the lives of Christians where we go and we take a step or we do an action because we think it's something that we've been praying for and then it may be something we've been praying for or because it's not in our best interest, all right? And then when this thing pops up, we think God answers my prayers. Well, did God answer your prayers, okay? All right? So we see what James is saying about that. You've you got to check your motivations. Go to the book of Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7. Starting with verse number 10. Okay, I got to go back to the Jazzy Red sports car. Okay, the opportunity came for me to get this sports car, and I'm not sure if it's from God. So what I need to do then is to ask for a sign. How do I know that this is from you? Okay? And asking for signs is indeed biblical. And as, as I always say, I can't say things from up here unless it isn't based on the word of God. And in chapter 7 of Isaiah, starting at verse number 10, okay, it says, Moreover, the Lord, more of the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, 
Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. Okay, he told Ahaz, ask, ask a sign. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear you now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay? So the Lord there tells us, ask a sign. Ask a sign. Ask a sign. All right? So when you're, you're praying for this thing, hoping for this thing, all right, and you think a door is being opened to you, then you need to say, Lord, give me some sort of a sign that this is from you. You know, give me some confirmation, okay? And God is not going to confirm anything that is outside of his word. He's not going to confirm anything that's going to take me down I-5 driving 100 miles an hour to take a chance in killing myself, amen? So don't forget to ask God for signs before you make decisions, okay? Now, there are three things to remember, and we're going to go over the first on the list of three. One is that the door that opens will never contradict God's word. All right, if God opens the door for you, it's never going to contradict his word, okay? Number two is that the door will be accompanied by some confirmation. The door will be accompanied by some confirmation. And three is that the door God opens will require you to depend on him. All right? Okay? The door that God opens will require you to depend on him. Now, why is that? Okay? The reason is that what is our purpose for being on this earth? You know, you've heard the, the philosophers say, you, you know, what's the meaning of life? You know, why am I here? And all that sort of thing. We are here as children of God to glorify God. Okay? So that means that everything in our lives, in some manner, should be glorifying God. That's our purpose in life, is to glorify God. All right? So the door that he op- opens will require you to depend on him because you cannot do this by yourself. All right? Okay? And, and many times we wind up trying to do things without God and we wind up, you know, failing, you know, catastrophically. So if a door opens up, then the first thing I answer my, ask myself, okay, Lord, how do I glorify you through this? All right? Or how, how, can, how can, can, can you be, how can you be extended through, through me? In, in that, all right? Okay, now, if it's something, obviously, that is not uh, in line with God's word, then when you stop and you think about it, you say, well, no way, if this door is open, am I going to be able to glorify God? Uh, okay, all, right. all of a sudden, I mean, you, you, you're praying for a job, and you've got this job that's going to, I don't know, say, keep you out of church, you know, you know every single Sunday of the year. All right. Now, I've been in many, many churches where we had doctors and nurses that worked there, and of course they had to miss some Sundays because of their work and everything. And God certainly, certainly understands that. But God is not going to put you in some kind of position where you simply cannot study His Word, you can't read His Word, you can't get to church to fellowship where the Word of God says, "Forsake not the gathering together of yourselves." God's not going to put you in a position, open the door that's going to be anything that would prevent you from further glorifying Him or from further growing in Him. Okay. So going back to point number one, the door that opens will never contradict his word. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6. Second Corinthians 6 and we want to want to start with start with Start with 11. 2 Corinthians 6, 11.
O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you, but you are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? An infidel is an unbeliever. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, underline, come out from among them, and be ye separate. Underline, be ye separate. Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Almighty God. Okay? A woman or man seeking a mate, God does not want us unequally yoked. An unequal yoke is anything which unites a child of God with, with, uh, with an unbeliever in a common purpose or act. All right? God does not want us yoked with, with an unbeliever. Okay? Separation is not from, separation does not mean to be, to separate from evil in the world or even in the church for that matter, but from complicity. Which means participating or, or, or being a partner in whatever that unbeliever is doing. All right? And, and, and the other thing is, is uh, and conformity, which means conforming to the behaviors of others to do whatever they're doing. The reason God does not want us yoked with people that are unbelievers is because those ways can wind up rubbing off on us. All right? Those ways can wind up rubbing off, rubbing off on us. So when it says to, 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 be, to be separate, now that doesn't mean that we should isolate us from evil, isolate our ourselves from the evil in the world, but if God tells you to, um, to go, into this, go into that brothel that's over there and I want you to preach the word of God, okay, you certainly can't stand back and say, oh Lord, there's evil in there, there's evil in there, okay, what you be going in there to do is to talk the gospel, to preach, to, preach, to, to get them to t- turn around and to change, is not for you to go in there and conform to what they're doing or being complicit, a partner in crime, so to speak, with what they're doing, you see? So one of the things that can hinder us in, in recognizing whether a door is from God or, or, or not is because of the fact that we haven't separated ourselves from those that are of those that are behaving like unbelievers. All right, you can have people that are, are are Christian, unfortunately, but yet still their lifestyle obviously shows that they're unbelievers in, in a way. Now, you know, I, I always say that I am never one to say uh, what is in someone's heart, so no one really knows how much someone believes. Only God knows, okay? But you can tell by their actions. I don't care whether they're Christian or not. I know what the Word of God says I should or should not be doing. God says do not be unequally yoked. You are a child of God. For you to be associating with, for you to be, 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 be complicit with, to, for you to be conforming to the, ways that, to the ways of those that are unbelievers, God is saying you are, are unequally yoked. Unequally yoked. We have to be very careful in terms of, of who we wind up marrying, even, and so forth, to make sure that we are not unequally yoked. God would not have us to do that. God wants us to separate ourselves and for you not to be conforming or complicit. The reason why, throughout Old Testament, 
Jesus, uh, God talks so much about the Israelites, you, you know, not doing as the pagans do. God says that I'm giving you this land, Israel, and when you go into that land, do not do as they do. We all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You, you, you know how how uh, uh, Lot was so hesitant to even leave that place because he had moved into Sodom and Gomorrah, and in a way, I don't know how far he went with his sin, but he was obviously, you know, you know, slipping away from where God would want him to be. So we have to be very, very careful if we want to be able to discern what is of God and what is not of God, we have to make sure we're not unequally yoked. Now, also on a very practical level, if you are winding up being unequally yoked and you are associating with people and being involved with people that are doing things that are not of God, how easy is it going to be for you to see and tell whether or not God, this door is from you? Amen? It will be very, very difficult and challenging. All right? Nor will God open a door that would require personal compromise or disobedience obedience in order for you to enter. Okay, God is not going to do anything that will compromise your, uh, your faith or your, your obedience to him. Alright? As humans, uh, obedience in order for you to enter through that door. As humans are prone to sin, we have an excellent way of turning a clear mandate of God's completely around and justifying it by our circumstances. But that is not how God works. Okay, so in other words, we can make enough, we're good at making excuses. You wind up being unequally yoked. You wind up being around people or in conditions or in things that are not in line with God's word. But we, we humans are expert in rationalizing and saying, well, it's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. And going along with what, uh, with what those others are doing, you see, because they are not believers. So there's good reason why God says for us not to be unequally yoked. Um, I've seen people actually bend scriptures to justify, to justify um, their actions. Actions, to take the word of God and twist it around to make it to make it reasonable uh, in accordance with the Bible that what they're doing is right, okay, and is wrong. God's word can't be twisted. What God said is God's word. So if you are doing that, then there's no way, or I should say, it'll be very very difficult then for you to determine whether or not a door that is open and an opportunity for you, whether or not it's from God or not, okay? Because you will be so accustomed to doing like the the unbeliever is, okay? Because you been unequally yoked, that you'll wind up viewing life through their eyes and you'll say, gee whiz, that is from God. Yeah, yeah. That jazzy red sports car did come from God. He wants me to go down I-5 doing 100 miles an hour, okay? Because you'll twist the word around. In the meantime, your friend, your buddy over here is saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And trust me, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that action attempted upon myself over the years coming up, you know, and the more I got into ministry, it happens even more and more and more, you know, especially because of the fact that I was in the world at a time and was an adult in the world before I really came, became committed to God. There were many, 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 many of my friends over the years, you know, that tried to draw me back out, you know, and the way I always counted that was saying, sure, yeah, we can hang out. We can hang out. I pastor a church now. And come on by, you know, come on by and whatnot. And sure, we can, we can hang out. We can do this. We can do that. You can come to Bible study or whatever, you know. And then you watch how quickly they kind of just disappear. Okay, all right. Okay. So God had an excellent way of weeding out those people that God did not want me to be around. But you know what? It took some commitment. It took some effort on my part. 
many of those people like, were dear, dear friends to me. I mean, I had folks and friends that I'd give the shirt off my back to. I mean, I loved them, male and female or both, okay? But when I knew where God wanted me to go, and I knew that in order for me to succeed where God wants me to go, I need to understand what is from Him and what is not. Now, what if I had rationalized in my mind that that guy who was inviting me to go to go hang out with him at the nightclub that we used to go to, what if I justified it, you know, what the word there is saying, justified it and said, oh, yeah, you can go. When you go there, maybe you can save him. Maybe you can save him. And as I'm sitting there with that rum and coke in my hand, you can drink it. You can drink it. It'll show him that you still go to, and you can drink the rum and coke, you see. And then I'll wind up just rationalizing and rationalizing until I've slowly slipped over the other side, you see. And I wouldn't be able to recognize an opportunity when God sent it to me. Because I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Because I let myself become unequally yoked. The other thing is that the door will be accompanied by confirmation. When God is giving you something that you've been praying for, he's opened the door, made an opportunity for you, okay, he'll give you some confirmation. Remember before God said to ask a sign, okay, to give you confirmation. So let's go to Judges. The book of Judges. book of Judges. Judges 6. You've heard me tell the story many times, I'm sure, about um, an opportunity that someone offered to me, one of the vice presidents that I worked under, to take this other position, which would have me in Washington, D.C., and don't worry, uh, um, I know part of this you're not familiar with, but I'll teach you, I'll take you under my wing, and, you know, I'd make uh, regular trips to Washington, I'll expose you to all of that and everything, and, and something just didn't sit right in my spirit, and he saw me in the hallway the next day or two, and so on, you know, Michael, this is an excellent opportunity for you, you know, why are you hesitating, you know? And I said, I just got to think about it. I didn't say pray at the time, but I said, I just got to think about it. I think about it. And time on about two weeks came by and so forth. And he asked me, and I said, no, Larry, thank you. And he was Larry, thank you, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, not take it. Thank you for, you know, I'm flattered that you offered me and you thought so much of me to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take it. Now, here was an opportunity. The door was open. The salary would have been phenomenal. My staff would have been larger than what it was. I had 54 people under me. This would have had 100 and so on people. It would have been it would have been an awesome opportunity. But this door, I felt, was not from God. And I didn't take it. I turned it down. About a week or so after that happened, there was a huge write-up in the newspapers, and it was just buzzing throughout the entire company. But that particular vice president and those on his staff were found to be doing a whole lot of illegal activities relative to design drawings. All right? And those design drawings had a lot of things they should not have had. It. That, that, pre- that vice president all of his staff were brought up on charges, and that, that tore up that whole department. So if I had taken that, if I had set, accepted that opportunity, then I would have been caught right up in that, okay? So here was an opportunity where the door was open, a very attractive opportunity. Again, I talked about a few weeks ago, the shiny thing that the devil will hold up in front of you, the shiny thing, the shiny thing in terms of objects or in terms of people, because I was a very nice guy, he was very charismatic and everything, I would have enjoyed working with him, great guy. So the shiny thing the devil holds up in the terms of people where you'll be gravitating towards a person or something, okay, that door was not from God, all right? But if I didn't know how to pray and to ask, ask for a sign, 
Right? You know? The other thing that you feel which you have to check is, is, is what do you feel in your Holy Spirit? What do you feel in your spirit from Holy Spirit? But even that you need to check. Because what you think you feel in your spirit might not be from God. Because again, like I said, we human beings are expert at rationalizing and making excuses for things that are not good for us to seem good for us. So you need to even check that. You need to check that. You need to ask God for a sign. So looking at, asking for confirmation. So Judges 6, verse 36. And you remember this, these events, I'm sure. Judges 6, verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon the uh, earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. Just to pause there just for a minute. What happened was that God had told him that he's going to go out and he's going to save Israel. Okay? And what Gideon is saying, who, 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 me? You know? Who, me? This is, again, that's that opportunity, that door that God may be opening for you. But you feel incapable. You feel unqualified for doing what God is calling you to do. Okay? Remember what I said before. God is never, ever, ever going to call you to do something that you are not equipped to do. Or that he will not equip you to do if you aren't equipped at the time. Okay? Alrighty? So, so don't be hesitant if a door is open before you and you start feeling, oh gee, I'm not going to be able to do this. So, so what Gideon is saying here, well then, here's a sign I'm asking for. Lord, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, verse 37, and if, the dew on, if there's dew on the uh, fleece only and it be dry upon the earth beside, then shall I know that thou will save Israel by my hand as thou hast said. Verse 38 says, and it was so, for he rose up early on the Tomorrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto, unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. Lord, don't get upset with me. And I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground around let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the, on all the ground. Okay, and then we go on to see the rest of it that Gideon went on and did his thing. So here you see, he went, he asked for a sign. Now, you know, in my opinion, he, he was kind of pushing it a little bit. God gave him confirmation, but he went back a second time and said, Lord, don't get mad at me, but, you know, can you just do this a second time, all right? But the point I'm making here is to ask for some confirmation, okay? Okay, and, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, Bible scholars will tell you that that is not really... Uh, um, a, 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 good, a good example of faith but it is a good example of showing though how God will give you that confirmation uh, alrighty and, and uh, first starting out uh, starting out to find a, a church building back in New York there and I said Lord I think this is what I hear you telling me to do so the first real estate agent that I office I run to I'm going to go in and Ask them if they have any church buildings, and if that's what you want me to do, give me some confirmation. You know, I went to a real estate agent, and he told me, he said, all right, well, he looked at me kind of strangely, and he said, all right, you know, don't call me, I'll call you, one of those kind of things. And, and to make a long story short, I wound up um, hearing something on a Christian radio station, which connected me with a publisher of a Christian newspaper back there, who wound up telling me that there was a pastor who was looking to share his building, et cetera, et cetera, and it was just a strange set of, set of events that wound up connecting us together. 
together and thus Genesis 1 was born back in New York. But I'm saying if I hadn't said to God, Lord, this is what I think I hear you saying. I think this opportunity, I think this door is from you. I'm going to step out and this is what I'm going to do. Give me a sign. All right, give me a sign. All right. So you have to take some, take some, some action and ask God, give me some kind of confirmation. The third piece here is the door. The door that God opens will require you to depend on him. Okay, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And I'm not going to read all of the preceding verses. Go right to uh, Matthew 6:33. Okay. The door that God opens will require you to depend on Him. Matthew 6:33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Okay? And you know all of the pre- preceding verses talks about why do you worry about food and clothing and all that sort of thing. Okay? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Alright? So, the door that God opens for you will require him to depend, to depend on him. You know? You can't go through a door that God is opening and think that you're going to be able to do this all by yourself. It just won't work. You'll wind up failing. So you have to remember here to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things else, everything else that you're worrying about shall indeed be added to you. You shall be increased. You shall benefit by it. You know, um, God is not going to give us something that will alienate us from him or make us believe that we no longer need him. He is a God of relationships and a God who insists upon being first in our lives. If you're at a point where God is only secondary in your life, then no way are you going to be able to determine what is of God and what is not. So you need to get back to the point where you, where uh, He is number one in your life. Uh, go to Hebrews 11. A couple of more verses here. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? If you don't already have that highlighted or bracketed, put a bracket or highlight that whole verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The now there in the, in, in the first part of this sentence, if you underline that, that now faith means faith now. Okay? It's continuous faith. It doesn't mean that I'll have faith tomorrow, or I had faith yesterday, so I don't need it for today. It means continuous faith. So as this door is, going, is open before you, and as I said before, God will require you to depend on him. Whatever this door or this opportunity is that you're trying to go through and you're trying to, to, to do or accomplish, um, uh, you have to have faith that God is going to take you through it. Again, remember that God is never going to give you something or put you into a situation that you can't manage and you 
or you can't handle. All right? You need to take that opportunity, uh, to take your opportunity or the open door to God and ask for that confirmation. And then after you get that confirmation, have faith that he's going to bring you, bring you through. And then looking at verse number 6 here, 11.6, But with faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Underline the word diligently there, okay? Diligently means to seek him with, uh, with focus, you know? Diligently uh, uh, seeking God is not an occasional trip to church. It's not an occasional picking up the word to, to read it. It's not an occasional prayer. Uh, diligently is, is having consistency in going to church, consistency in praying, consistency in reading the Bible. You know, you need to set up some time, and and, and it's a part of, of building. Um, you have to build build some routine into your life. You, you have to, to 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 build a a regimen in life. Um, the same way, I don't know how many exercise programs I've started. <laughs> okay, I get off to a good start, and maybe I'm good for a couple of weeks and so forth, and then all of a sudden one thing comes in to upset my flow, and then I'm gone. And then I'm gone. And I keep saying, I'm going to start tomorrow, I'm going to start tomorrow, I'm going to start tomorrow. See a lot of heads nodding, so I see a lot of you know exactly what I'm saying here. Okay, so it's the same thing with reading the Word, you know. You've got to get a regimen going. You've got to set a time. You've got to, 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 to try to stick to that time, you know. Um, you, you, you've got to say, at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 3 whatever it is, I'm going to read the Word, and I'm, this is what I'm going to read. Whether, you know, and you don't have to necessarily read a whole chapter. You know, start, just, just say that I'm going to read, four or five verses and let Holy Spirit guide you to those four or five verses many times if you're really into the spirit into the flow of things and you, you decided to read three or four or five verses you, you, you'll wind up reading verses many times that will require you to look at a footnote in there for you to understand it which will then lead to your cross-referencing to another chapter and sometimes it'll spread and spread and spread next thing you know you're there for a half an hour and you say oh gee I'm late for work <laughs> you know something like that but, but what I'm saying is, is you've got to set a, a, a regimen you've got to be diligent you know when you start an exercise program those people that have been successful you know in setting that program are those who have managed to stick with it those who have managed to really make it a part of their regimen so it has to be with you that is a part of you diligently seeking God you know God has made this whole thing that we call Christianity so easy we don't have to memorize a whole lot of fancy things we don't have to take a catechism and recite it it's just so easy we have the word of God written for us we have God there in, in terms of, of prayer we have the word written for us all we need to do is to just set, it, set aside the time to seek him and to do it you know, this is what he's talking about where it says diligent. Many of you are going to have doors opening before you because of the things that you're praying for you. Many of you are going to have opportunities arise. You're going to have that directions that you're going to be going into because of the things that you're praying for. And I'm just saying to you, I pray that you ask for a sign. You get some confirmation. You make sure that whatever that door is that is being opened or, or, or for you, that opportunity that is coming up is in line with God's word and is in line with the things that we talked about here today because the devil is out there with many 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 shiny objects that would seem like this thing is from God okay and it may not be from God you see and this is how the devil gets us Christians off track because we think that oh gee God is telling me to do that God is bringing this person my way God is sending this person my way you know I've seen people call 
at the time when I'm trying to get out the door to go to church. You know, can you come and do so? I said, I'm sorry, but if it isn't a life-threatening situation, I'll get to you as soon as I get back, but I'm going to church first. You know, I'm sorry if it isn't a life-threatening situation, I'll contact you as soon as I get back, I promise, but I will not let you miss out, okay? One of the things that my pastor told us, um, the one who ordained me back in the church in New York when my wife and going and the three kids, was that... Um, You'd be surprised how you can miss out on a blessing when the devil puts something in your path that prevents you from getting to church. At that time, there may be someone there, there may be a message, there may be a healing line, an anointing line, there may be something that Holy Spirit wants to touch you with or say to you through that message. That one day that you let that person distract you, or you let those circumstances distract you, and you don't go to church, God may have been trying to reach out to you already. And I've seen that happen so many times, so many times, because I heard messages from that church that I knew so-and-so that wasn't there would have been uplifted and encouraged by that message that my pastor was preaching. So many times there were, were prayer for specific things that I knew that that person that was not there could have benefited from, all right? So, so you need to be careful. God is looking, really looking, looking to bless you. But we can wind up blessing, uh, we can wind up uh, obstructing God, you know. God is all possible. He's all, all powerful, I should say. You know, we all know that, all right? But we can tie God's hands. We can put handcuffs on God very, very easily simply because we are not where God wants us to be when he wants us to be there or we're not listening to the Holy Spirit to tell us what we need to do to follow through, all right? And then you've got to be incredibly bold incredibly bold and strong don't let yourself be taken down any path that would be contrary to God's word do not let yourself be subjected to circumstances or conditions that you know are outside of God's word because that will take you off the path where you will not be able to hear from God to, to pull you back when he's trying to pull you back amen it's a gradual thing that happens it, it just kind of creeps up on you and the next thing you know you're over your head and you're, you're kind of drowning because you're not able to hear from God amen praise God praise God I hope this message has been a blessing to you and now before we close let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings